Hi, and welcome to the Trailside Channel. We are so glad you're joining us. God has a place and a purpose for you, and we hope this message helps you find that and know how much He loves you. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy the message. That was, we got funky there for a second, didn't we? It's all right, bringing it around. Well, hey, my name is Sean. I'm the lead pastor here. Let me pray for us, and we will dive right in. Father, you're good, and uh, we thank you for your truth today. Lord, I thank you for the people who are here in this building. Um, I ask that we would be faithful to you, to your word, and that you would challenge us today. Um, Lord, that we would be able to bring um, any kind of doubt, skepticism, fear, whatever it might be, hope, uh, that you would meet us in that place, and that we would uh, be blessed and know you in a deeper way when we leave. We thank you so much. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So it is nearly the end of school for the year, if anybody can believe that. Crazy. Yeah. There's teachers everywhere just chomping at the bit. Um, Now, I'm really excited because that means I get to um, have my kids at home all of the time, which is great. So not not bitter about that at all. Not bitter. Well, as we finish up our victory series today, we're going to be in Acts 8. So if you brought a Bible, those of you under 25, this is called a book. It's a physical thing. It's got words in it. You can use it as well as your phone. Um, but if you got one with you, you can go to Acts 8 or scroll down. Um, we're going to tell a story today, go through a story of what I like to call being in the right place at the right time. Um, and as you get there, I want to tell you a story that I read recently um, of a, a couple who was flying home in their small Cessna, Cessna, it's not a plane, Cessna, and uh, their route home to their second home would always take them over their land in Florida. So they would go and kind of circle and see all the land, all the stuff that um, they had acquired over their life, and this is a true story. And as they were doing a quick flyover, they saw a, a truck parked at their house that shouldn't have been there. I said, okay, they were about 800 feet, and they dropped down to 300 feet to see, to literally out of a plane watch as someone went into their driveway, hooked their trailer onto his truck, and drove away. So they watched from an airplane this guy steal, steal their trailer. And the story goes that the wife got all, all upset and excited and actually told her husband to land the plane on the highway so they wouldn't lose their, uh, their red trailer. But he said, no, I'm just going to get down. We'll get a description. We'll land. It was too loud with the, props to call, the prop plane to call the police. And so they landed in a field not far away from the road, the interstate, this truck was traveling on with the stolen trailer. They called the police. The police got there, had the guy pulled over. They came and saw the trailer and went, hooked their trailer up and came home. The guy got arrested. I was like, man, how crazy of a thought is it? You're, you're flying home, and this guy thinks he's gotten away with a trailer, right? Probably one of the most stolen items in America are trailers because they're easy and quick. That's the main reason I don't have one, not because I hate yard work, but because of that. Um, and they just happened to be at the right place at the right time, flying overhead. Coincidence, one would say, right? Well, I think that we also uh, do a lot of right place, right time theology as well. We say that things are coincidental. It's coincidental. You just happen to come to church here today, right? Like, oh, you got sick because you happened to pick that chicken instead of the one next to it, Right? Things happen, and we just say, well, you know, it's coincidence. No purpose in it. 
So we live our lives every day and just kind of hope not to have bad coincidences, right? Well, I think if we actually get down into what Scripture actually says, that maybe I want to offer you this morning that things don't happen by coincidence, but by intense purpose. And that when that purpose happens, we have to be people who respond. And so um, reading Acts 8 today, story about this guy Philip and a eunuch, who you may have heard of, but I want to read it to you, starting in verse 26. This is what happens. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Now if you're hungry, it's not dessert. Dessert has two S's, okay? I'll get you out of here in time, I promise. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, quote, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he not opens his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does a prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Talking about Isaiah. And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So there's two main characters in this story that we got to get into today. Philip and the eunuch. Context is important, so I want to give you a little bit. Um, Here's what we believe we know about this eunuch. Most scholars would say that he was a God-fearer, but not a true convert, right? Like, I think probably a lot of what we see in church today... See, especially in the South, I know we talk about this often, maybe you've noticed everybody in the South is a Christian, right? Yeah, at least twice a year. Sorry, this thing's uh, bent up for me, my apologies. Yeah, so at least twice a year, everybody's a Christian, right? Everybody believes like, oh, yeah, I know God, you know, God is real, I think. Like, oh, well, you ask him, well, what about heaven? Like, well, you know, if if I, you know, I'm nicer than I am meaner, you know, if I, like, wave and smile at more people on Woodruff Road than cuss and give the finger to. Like, I'll, I'll be okay, I think. Right? That's probably about where this guy was. Now, because he was a eunuch, he was a eunuch because he worked for the queen, because the idea was that if you were a male around the queen, they went ahead and took care of business so that you wouldn't be tempted to do things to the queen that men in that time would do. So, without being graphic, we, I think we all know what that means. So he was a eunuch, um, but because of that, Because of his physical condition and Jewish law, he actually was not allowed to go into the temple to worship. In fact, Deuteronomy 23 um, says, I don't know if it'll be on the screen, it's a pretty rough verse, um, but, but it says that eunuchs are not allowed into the inner courts to worship. So because of his physical condition, something he didn't ask for or do, he was actually not allowed to be in community with believers. He couldn't be a full convert. He was limited. 
And so this eunuch, because he was unable to be circumcised, had no place in the church, had no hope, could not be fully loved. And not for anything he had done, but merely for his physical situation. Because Jewish law says that if you were a eunuch, you could not enter the assembly of the Lord. So quite literally, the Lord, that, the, the, the God that he is desiring to know, that he's reading about, that he's gone down to Jerusalem to worship, trekked through the desert to get to, he, by law, isn't allowed to worship. Physically cannot be a part. Now, this doesn't mean that he wasn't important. He was obviously very wealthy. It says that he was in charge of all the treasures of the queen of Ethiopia. Now, I know when we talk about Ethiopia right now, we're thinking, okay, that's not a place that I associate with wealth, right? Yeah. Like when they start making commercials about America the way they start making them about Ethiopia, you know, we probably got some things to talk about here. But, um, but yeah, like I know nowadays we don't think of Ethiopia as this rich place, but that's why cultural context is so important. In this day, the queen of Ethiopia was the only, the only, the one kingdom that the Roman army could not conquer. The only place. So we're talking about the biggest, baddest, best. The best military on the face of the planet. They could not conquer this one place called Moreau, this, this Ethiopian queen's kingdom. And so what Rome did was they actually made a treaty with them. He said, well, if you can't beat them, join them, right? And so here comes this very wealthy, in a chariot, covered chariot, with his own personal scroll of Isaiah, man who is desiring to be in the assembly of the Lord, but cannot be because of his physical condition, something he never asked for. He was in charge of all the money in an entire kingdom that was stronger than the Roman kingdom, the very one he wanted to be in. But he was an outsider simply because he could not meet the standard of Jewish law, religious law. That's it. Because he didn't fit the mold of what the people would say by Jewish law he had to be. Based on nothing he had done himself. Some of you who've been in church culture for a while, maybe you're starting to pick up where we're going here, but this is a man who was told he could not have fellowship because of something that was done to him. So Philip, what do we know about Philip? And why is this so important? Well, actually, Philip's first mentioned two chapters before in Acts 6. And so here's what's happening. The church is growing Greek-speaking Jews named Hellenists are making the church just explode. There's people coming everywhere. They're all over the place. The church is getting out of hand. It's getting so big so fast that there's actually not people to lead and take care of the church people, right? It's just getting out of hand real quick. Basically trail side. No, I'm just kidding. Um, maybe one day. But there's so much happening that the church is not able to take care of the very thing they're called to, which is widows and orphans. And so there's this entire group of Hellenistic, again, that's Greek-speaking Jews, 
widows who are wasting away. No one's there to love them because they just, no one has time. And so what they do is they find seven men. They say, take, find seven men who are uh, worthwhile, who are um, faithful, who are caring, who exemplify all the things that we see and that we feel like need to be exemplified in these leaders of men. Take them out of their work, pay them by the church, and let them go and do the work of the church. Right? It says, pick seven men who don't need to, it says, serve tables any longer. And go and let them lead. And so Philip is one of these guys, one of these seven. He's actually one of two that we hear more of later on in Acts. And so Philip, doing that, goes and immediately begins serving the Lord. And in this chapter in Acts 8, we see where it says God sends a messenger to Philip. Right? Y'all with me? Great. Great. Totally not going through puberty. <laughs> so Philip was called. He was faithful. He was a leader. And, and I want to read this again because I think, I think this is important for us this morning. Um, if you are a believer and you're here and you follow Jesus, this will be important. And if you're not, and if you're just not sure about this church thing, I think hang with me because this also will be very important for you. Notice he says, an angel of the Lord, this is verse 26, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. 27, and he rose and went. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace. He had come to Jerusalem to worship him and was returning, seated in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? Now, notice, here's what I think we need to be attentive of today. See, we've gotten in church culture where we've gotten to a point where we think like, oh, I want God to call me to something, but I need to know what every step of that's going to be so that I can make plans for every little thing, right? Like, hey, that sounds really good. Yeah, like, I totally want God to use me, for sure. Um, I just need to know uh, in 10 years uh, who my wife will be, what she'll look like, how many kids I'll have, what my house will be, what car I drive, if I'll be happy, if I'll have money in the account, um, what kind of food I'll eat and who my friends will be and if my parents will be healthy, right? That's, that's how we treat God. We say, well, God, if you're calling me, then I need to know every step. I need to be aware of everything that's going to happen so that I can take that next step of faith and go, okay, now I'm willing to follow. But guys, when I read scripture, when I see what happens here with Philip and throughout the gospel, all I see is God giving the first step and saying, be faithful. And notice in this moment, all God do, all God do, all God does, all God do, all God does is he first says, hey, get up and go here. Philip doesn't go like, hey, God, I don't know. Maybe you're talking to that Philip over there. Anyone ever felt like that? You feel like God's calling you to something? You're like, ah, you meant that one. There's got to be another Sean Guida around here, right? It's a very, very non-rare last name, common. And maybe God's calling you to something. You're like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Not sure if I should do that. But notice all God does in this moment is he says, go. He says, get up. Get up and go to this place. Get up and go to this place in the desert. Be faithful. So Philip gets up and he goes. He goes, okay, now I want you to go look for this really rich guy in a chariot. Go find him. Doesn't say what to do. Doesn't even tell him what to say. Just says, go be present. Just go. 
Take the step. And Philip is faithful, and he goes. And then something really ridiculous happens that I think we probably need to hear a little bit of today. Notice, all God says is for Philip to go talk to the eunuch, right? God doesn't say, go get in the chariot and then say, hey, um, ask him what he's reading. God doesn't say, hey, Philip, go ask him what he's reading. Then when he says it, then go ahead and just share the gospel with him. I'm, I'm going before you. I got you. God doesn't speak to Philip and say, and then I want you to go baptize him. I want you to lead him in this. See, God's only directive for Philip, get up, go. That's it. Get up, go. Go get in this chariot. I mean, we're not talking about just going and saying hello to somebody on a horse. We're talking about, it'd be like going to downtown Greenville, finding the Lamborghini, opening the door and be like, hey, I think I'm supposed to be here right now. <laughs> right? Which is my goal in life. <laughs> Ferrari, really, but whatever. You know, supercar, I'm good. This is actually why I take the doors off my Jeep, so people can just hop in, nothing witness to me. No. Um, <laughs> why'd I say that? I have no idea. Um, welcome to Trailside. No, but, but listen, I've talked to so many people, so many people who aren't taking a step of faith, who aren't doing what God told them to do, what God is calling them to, because they're still waiting. They've convinced themselves that they need to know what the final step is in order to take the first. But church, sometimes God's call to you is just simply to get up and go. There's no faith to be had if you know what you're walking into and walking toward. If you've got it all figured out, why, why do you need faith? If everything's easy, why do you need faith? Why do you need to trust God at all? Because you're doing it in your own strength anyways. And I've seen so many people that have missed that. And so here's a situation where God is clearly moving in someone's life. God has taken this guy, Philip, out of waiting tables into leading church, and now he's saying, go. And all he says is go, and Philip says yes. That's it. Now, I want you to consider what step you may be supposed to be taking right now. And I don't want to fill your brain. I know people sometimes passionately get up and be like, maybe it's this. Maybe you're supposed to give us $100 million. Maybe you are, but um, probably not. But uh, I don't want to fill your brain with that. But I want to ask you, you probably already know what it is. So when you come here today, I want, I want you to ask why you're not taking it. Is it fear? Or is it, is it pride? Which I think probably is based out of fear anyways. Or maybe it's control, right? I know that's, that's the thing for me. I want to know what the final steps are so I can control it and walk it, not worry, not to put myself out there, not have to be vulnerable, big scary word. Because if it doesn't look really good on Facebook and Instagram, people might wonder, Right? But we've gotten so good at telling God how he is supposed to order our steps 
so that he can prove that he's faithful. And that's not what God calls us to at all. God doesn't call you to be aware of everything that he tells you he's going to do. God calls you to just take the step he's calling you to. That's it. See, God cannot prove himself faithful if we won't obey without knowing the whole plan. It's not that he's incapable. It's that that's not him being faithful. Faith isn't stepping into what you know, church. Faith is trusting that God, when he calls you, is trustworthy in the call he's given you. That's what faith is. To be faithful is to know that God called you and you to take the step and to trust that God is not going to leave you halfway. We talk about how much we love God being steadfast, right? One of my favorite things about God's character, he's steadfast in his love. He's unchanging. Well, if we don't believe that and walk in that, do we honestly think that he is? Or or are we just living our life as we think we should and hoping that we can have God on the side and that it'll just kind of fit the plans? See, to be used by God is not to say, God, give me something fun and easy and comfortable, and I'll take that step, and then I'll make a post on social media. I'm like, God, you're so good this. My kid is smiling and happy, never throws Legos anywhere. I'm getting everything I want. I got a pay raise. Everything I've ever desired, my heart is now coming true. I just, because I prayed more. No, it's not that at all. It's, it's that to be used by God is to, I think, honestly examine our hearts and to say to the creator of the universe who calls you beloved, Here I am. I think that's what faith is. It's it's here I am. Do what you will. Call me and and I will be faithful. Embolden me to listen, to take the step, to trust. Church, we have to stop getting wrapped up and needing to know every outcome before we feel solid enough to take a step of faith of what God's calling you to. We have to stop because if we do, church will always be safe. And I don't know about you guys, maybe this is your first time or your third time, or maybe you've been here for a year and a half and you fought through a CrossFit gym and a middle school where bathrooms allowed you to make new friends immediately. But we aren't called to be safe here. Trailside is not a place where we're called to do church safely. It can't be. If you're looking for a church and a call that is safe, you've entered the wrong building. And there's plenty, and listen, this is not a thing you hear pastors say, but there's plenty of other places that are safe that you can go and rest and be comfortable. This ain't it. Because when God calls, our step of faith is just simply to say, here I am, allow me, embolden me to be faithful. Faith is is not stepping into what you know. It's trusting that God is trustworthy in his call for you. So church, we have to stop getting wrapped up in that. If, you're, if our definition of faith is being able to know what happens next and what's coming down the road, then that's not faith. That's an execution of a pre-planned procedure that you're fitting God into. And that's not faith. And, and I, y'all just think, man, I think we simply just miss out. 
I think we miss out on blessings and wonderful moments and things that we would call coincidences and being used by God because when God says go, our response is not here I am, it's why, how long will I be there, what do I need to do, and do I bring my dog? It's crazy to me. Well, I, and I, he has no idea I'm going to say this, but I'm just going to do it because it is what it is. That we have a new pastor on staff who said, I want, I want to be a tent maker and earn my keep here. And then when the church is ready, I'll be here full time. And he, I, that blows my mind. Blows my mind. It's faith. And now, knowing Tyler, he's probably really uncomfortable that I use him as an example. But, but that's what faith looks like. So my question is, what if God is calling you to take a next step? Because his plan is to bless you, to take care of you, to encourage you. And all that means is that you have to just say yes and go. Be willing to see where it takes you. What if God's calling you to that? What if God's call in your life is simply that he's saying, go and all he's waiting for you to do is go, here I am. And that that's when he's going to bless you. That that's when he's going to use you. There's so many people in churches who get nailed down by people like, well, I've never witnessed anyone before. Like, I must be a bad Christian. I've never led anyone to the Lord. Like, okay. Well, don't go to church and feel guilty about how bad of a Christian you are. Because we can go to church and hear God's call and go, man, the Lord's calling me to do this and to go love people, and I'm going to do that and then be expectant and watch what happens and be excited about that. Like, that's, that's what a, a church that is alive does. People come because God is speaking. Listen, I'm not, I, the things that have come out of my mouth in this church body, people aren't going to come here for that, Right? People are going to come here because it is a body of believers and people who are willing to sacrifice themselves to say, here I am, and that others are going to see what's happening and be a part of that because God is speaking and doing things in people's lives, in their hearts, in their marriages, in their families, and that people will be drawn to that because God is showing off that he is different, that following him actually changes people, that he's not tired and aloof. Y'all, come on. That's what church should be. It doesn't matter what schmuck is up here, speaking or playing guitar. What matters is that God is calling us to do things that are different, that are self-sacrificial, that look like loving people that maybe don't always fit the grid of Southern Christian church, and that the Lord is going to use that in a first step of being faithful and saying, here I am, yes, I'm in, I'm down, I'm good. And people's eternities are going to change. And people's eternities are worth us selling out everything we have for. The answer that we should have is simply, here am I, you've called me, now embolden me to be faithful. So Philip says yes. Philip goes to the chariot, and he hears the eunuch reading aloud, because that was actually a common practice back in the day which I'm really excited for teachers who are in here. We've apparently kept that through at least second grade because that's what my son does. And then my daughter, who's four and wants to be like her older brother, will pick something up and just start talking. Not at all what's on the paper. Not at all. 
Colin wrote us a love note the other day on my board in my office. He's like, I love mommy and daddy, and then erased daddy. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. No, it's cool. It's whatever. I cried for an hour. It's whatever. And so many of you who have hung out with us and been part of our life are like, that sounds exactly like Colin. Yeah. Um, and then Emma took a pink marker because, obviously, and she just like went up and down like mountains. And she was like, I love my daddy so much. Everything is great here. I love our new church. Mommy is the best. Da-da. And taught. And Colin looked at me. Colin's seven, right? He looked at me and he was like, do you believe this crap? She's drawing mountains. <laughs> that's, not what, that's not what it says. But that's how a lot of our theological understanding happens too, right? And that's what's happening here. Like this eunuch is reading this scripture aloud from Isaiah, and he's like, da la da 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 doesn't make sense. And so Philip walks up, and remember, God doesn't say, hey, ask this question if he knows. Philip walks up, sees the situation, is led by the Spirit because he's been faithful, and he goes, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And I love the eunuch's response, right? Especially because nowadays everyone's like, oh, yes, absolutely I do. I know how all of this works. While we were putting stuff in this building, I had, I'm not going to throw him out there because I love him, but had the awesome opportunity to watch two of our interns with a drill and one go, do you know how to use that? And he was like, yeah, I can get this out. And he held it and was like, no, I don't know how to do this. I'm unsure. I didn't ask you to self-indict yourself, Mikey, but now we all know. Um, Because the heart is so there, right? The heart is there. And the eunuch is like, man, I'm going down to worship. I'm not even allowed in the inner courts. Like, I want to do what's best. I got this scroll of Isaiah. So I'm trying to do the right thing. And Philip walks in, sees the situation, and goes, hey, do you understand what it is you're reading? Like, do you, do you comprehend this? And the eunuch goes, nope. <laughs> not at all. His response is, how could I? There's no one here to teach me. How in the world am I supposed to? I love that. How can I unless someone guides me? That honesty, that vulnerability, that growth. Church, we have to be a place where questions are okay, where skepticism is brought. Listen, one of the reasons we have a hard time getting super old people here is not just because our music is awesome and loud. You're a cool mom. It's all right, mom. It's, it's, because, it's because the people here refuse to be comfortable and aren't scared of that. When people walk in the door, we're not going, who? I don't know about them. That's weird. Or in TR, be like, that's a dude wearing pink. I don't, just kidding. It's a special joke for a friend. No, we have to be a place where questions can happen, where you can walk in the door and you don't have to be a Christian. You can just wonder what this God thing is about. That's it. That's it. You don't have to have theology figured out. If you go sit down with my wife and you're like, please tell me about justification, sanctification, and end times, and how glorification of the body works once we die. Does it happen now or later? My wife is going to look at you and be like, my husband will be home in 30 minutes. Um, I just tell you she loves Jesus, and that's okay. But mission happens when vision occurs and people are faithful. And that's what we see right here. 
Listen, the, the problem has not gone away. The eunuch lives lives like so many people who come to church do today. They come and they read, they hear scripture, and like, that sounded really good. And they go home, they're going, I have no idea what he just said. He went to worship, he got his scroll, and because he's been cut off from fellowship, he has no one to guide him, no one to walk with him, no one to answer his questions. You guys ever seen that in the church? Hmm. And so we find ourselves at verse 33, same chapter. I'm actually going to read 32. The passage of scripture he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. To his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Y'all, this eunuch is reading the very area of scripture out of Isaiah that he's reading is in chapter 23. 23, let me make sure that's right. Yes, 53, sorry. 53, 7 and 8. And the very part he's reading, and he reads aloud to Philip, is the part about the injustice given to Jesus for something he did not do and did not earn. And so Philip walks into this Ethiopian eunuch's chariot in the moment that he's reading about a Savior who loves him, who cares for him, who also has seen injustice done to him, who does not have a place outside of being on a cross with criminals between two people who society said they need to rid themselves with. And here's the eunuch who is not allowed in fellowship of the people of the very God he is trying to go after and pursue. And Philip says, this is about Jesus, and he sees where you are and understands what you've been through. And so with that, Philip speaks gospel. It's beautiful. 34, the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does a prophet say this, himself or someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. See, God doesn't operate in coincidence. God operates in providence. God took Philip, woke him up, called him to a place, told him to go meet this eunuch. And as he did, in Philip's understanding of who Jesus was, he hears one piece of scripture that, coincidentally, this eunuch happened to be reading aloud to point himself out to be the person that God told him to go find. And it's the very piece of scripture that defines not only the situation the eunuch is in, but directly parallels it back to the gospel when Jesus was crucified and demolished for something he did not do. And that had just happened a few weeks before. And Philip uses that to share the gospel. Now, some of you guys might notice, if you're type A personalities, some of your Bibles will go 36 to 38, and that will drive you crazy, right? It's because the writer of Acts just wanted to troll everybody a couple thousand years later. No, I'm just kidding. Now, so there's something called contextual criticism where um, some versions will include 37, some won't because they're not 100% sure it was on every scroll um, to put a really big term really quick. So it's not in every scripture, but here's what it reads. It says, so what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, then you may. 
So imagine the eunuch. The eunuch, the eunuch walks in. He worships in vain. He understands not what he's doing. And as he's going back home, he's confused by what he's reading. A man of the Lord comes in, joins him in his chariot, speaks to him, shares the gospel, brings hope. And so Philip just corrects some theology and shares the gospel. Again, one of my favorite statements, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If you have to add anything to Jesus, then it's not Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10 very clearly says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you shall be saved. For as of the heart one believes, the mouth one confesses. He'll be raised from the dead. That's it. That's, that's, that's the qualifier of the gospel. It's, it's not your physicality, it's not your struggle, it's not what you've done or what you're fighting with. It's not that you can come to Jesus and then you have to be perfect. Can we just eliminate that? You don't have to be. You can come to church and someone be like, how are you? And you'd be like, you know what, rough. Today's tough. This stinks. We should be able to have that freedom. To ask a question when things don't make sense. Because that's what we see in Scripture. And so Philip walks in, and imagine the eunuch, because of something he had never chosen, he's been marked unable to worship because of religious law. He's been kept out of the inner courts, told that he's secondary at best, that he is not worthy of the worship, or to, to give worship to God, that it's not good enough. And then this guy, Philip, comes in, jumps in his chariot, tells him the gospel, because Philip was faithful and said yes. And in verse 38, <clears throat> i got to make this taller. In verse 38, 36, sorry. They were going along the road, they came to water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water, what prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. See, here's the order of what happens. God calls, salvation occurs, and then baptism follows. As this, this expression of the goodness of the inward change of what God has done. And all that happened is that Philip didn't have to have the theological answers. He just went and told him the gospel. He is faithful. God said go, and he said yes. That was it. There was no list of questions it was simply go and see what I do. Because of that, the eunuch is baptized, and now he belongs. He's in full relationship with God and his people. See, that's what we're going to do as well. That's what's so important to us. Next week, we're actually going to have baptism here. We're going to kick off our new series called Celebration with Baptism because we're going to celebrate. We've got two so far, 14 and 15. Yep. Yep. It's awesome. But I feel, I feel like there may be people who need to be here for that as well next week, who need to take a step. 
And, and we want you to have the opportunity to be part of that first group at our new building. Because we're going to sell it. Next week's going to be fun. We're just going to have fun. We're going to celebrate. We're going to dedicate some babies. I don't even know. It's crazy. It's going to be crazy. We're going to have a good time. We're going to walk out of church excited. Because, church, you don't have to have every theological question right. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have every detail. All it is is that God is saying go, and all you have to do is say yes. And for some of you guys, if you're in here and you don't know Jesus and you felt that call, you felt that stirring, you've said, well, what what about, what is this going to mean for this? What does it mean for my friendships? What is it going to mean for my future? What is it going to mean for how I spend Saturday night? Can I come to church still struggling or do I have to be perfect? The answer is I don't know, and you don't have to know either. All you need to know is that when God calls, he qualifies. God called a eunuch, made him go to worship that he didn't understand, and then head home. And it was in that moment that God called the unqualified and made him whole and brought him into relationship. And if the Lord is doing that, if he's moving in your heart and you've just pushed back and you've gone, you know what? I don't want to be religious. Good. I don't need religious people. You know what happens when religious people come here? They leave real quick. And that's fine. It doesn't make them bad people. But church, this is a place where we want Jesus to be alive and questions to be answered, and we're going to celebrate. And so if God has called you and you haven't taken that step to know him, I want you to feel the freedom to do that and to know that you don't have to have every answer figured out. But that the offer's there. That's important. And so next week as we start that celebration, I would love for you to be a part of that. I don't even have to baptize you. You have a friend you want to baptize you? That's cool. I'm down with that. It's all good. Totally fine because it's not about who puts you in water. It's not even about what the water is. It's about that Jesus is alive and he's calling you. And so if that's you, I want you to have the opportunity to take that. And here's how you can do it. The card in your seat. Or if you turn one in, there's a few in extra seats around you. Or a neighbor will probably give you one. There's a mark on there. I want to be baptized. Mark it down. I met Jesus today. Mark it down. That's fine. Or you can find us at the location here. But I want to tell you real quick what we believe baptism is so there's no confusion there. That baptism is not equal to salvation. Baptism is not the way you become fully saved. That doesn't happen. Some people will say that. I would tell them, go look at the thief on the cross who looked at Jesus and said, remember me when I come to your kingdom. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Call me crazy, but I've read the gospel accounts. I've missed the part where Jesus gets down from the cross, dunks him in water and puts him back up and be like, hey, see you later. In fact, Galatians 2.16 talks about that no works of man can possibly lead to salvation. And if baptism is something we do, then we can't accomplish salvation that way. So that's not what baptism is. It is not a regenerate act. It's just a obedient act. And it's a way we get to celebrate with you. And the way we do is we don't. So we, we sit you in the water and, and we, we show everyone who's with us that this is the old self. This is who we were, that we are getting ready to take a step that shows what's happened in our lives. And as the old self sits and we recount stories about how God has been good to you and called you you made, you're made new. Ephesians 4 says that we put off the old self, and so we lay you down. And if I like you, I'll pull you up quicker, but 
And as we lay you down in the waters, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, signifying the very thing that Paul says in Romans 6, for I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. But I want to read Romans 6, 1 through 8 to you because it, it just shares exactly what we're about. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would be no longer enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from it. And so as we pull you back out of the waters, it's to signify this truth is real in your life, that you've been made brand new, that there is hope, that you are not any longer under a penalty of sin. That the wages of death is sin, it doesn't hold you anymore. And that your hope that you have now established is that outside of this world, nothing else can matter because what's given to you in eternity is greater than what you might ever perceive here. And so the invitation is presented to you. If you don't know Jesus, and he's calling you, answer. Or if you do and you haven't been baptized, what are you waiting for? As a eunuch said, there's water right here. There will be in a week. Nothing will prevent you. No physical ailment, no fear, no concern. Nothing will prevent you outside of knowing and loving Jesus. And if you have been baptized and you're here, then I want to encourage you, what are you going to do to be like Philip? How can we take this church out of this building that we've been given into the city and actually see people meet Jesus and have lives changed, have marriages healed, have relationships restored, have addiction broken, chains destroyed? How can we take this out of there? It's by all of us doing exactly what Philip did and saying yes. One last thing I want to do as we close, I want to bring up one of our interns who also has no idea. I'm going to call him up here, Jordan. Come on up, Jordan. Yeah. Come on up, buddy. How are you? Good. Jordan, I know he doesn't call him up here. Um, as, as Philip was told to go, he just simply said yes and went. And this is our last week with Jordan for a little while. Um, Jordan is headed to Alaska. Um, and he's going to go and uh, work at a fish market, right? Something like that. Something like that. And love people in Alaska and talk to them about Jesus and be faithful. And he has no idea what it's going to look like other than he's going to go up there and hang out with fish. <laughs> and there'll be people there. And so I want to I pray for Jordan. I want to ask you as well, if you feel comfortable, to extend a hand out. If you're an intern or a staff member and you want to come lay a hand on Jordan, we're going to pray and send him out as well. You feel free to do that and be a part of that. Um, but we love you. We're so thankful for you. Jordan has, um, like all of our interns, worked so hard. Uh, every single Friday he came and set up the school, and he's been here as much as he can outside of exams. And um, I'm just super proud of Jordan. And um, 
Hope you guys will give him a hug and tell him it means something to you. We're going to pray over you as we send you out. Jesus, thank you for Jordan. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing and that you are actively making a difference in people's lives. And so uh, when we pray as, as Jordan gets ready to go do something brand new for a few months um, where he knows no one um, but just knows that he's supposed to be there, I pray that you would give him peace and comfort, that you would embolden him to share uh, your truth, the gospel with everyone he encounters, that they would know that um, he's not a religious guy trying to change people, but that he is a messenger of your truth, a messenger of hope and peace for people who may have given up. I pray that you protect him, or that you would uh, go before him in every step he takes, and that he would be faithful to your call today. We thank you for him and what he's done uh, for our church for the last year. We look forward to him um, being back with us soon and hearing stories about your goodness and what you've done. And we thank you for all that you've done in him and within him this year and look forward to what you do in the future. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of Philip and the eunuch. And thank you for Jordan. And it's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Love you, buddy. Give it up for Jordan, guys. <laughs> Proud of you. So we're going to do a little more worship before we get out of here. And I just want to encourage you. Um, if you need to take a minute and consider, I want you to do that. I'm going to carry this out of the way. But we have an opportunity to worship an awesome God who calls us to incredible things. And so if you felt that, I want to give you some time to consider that. Sign the card. Meet my wife in the back. Church, we love you. We're so thankful that you're here. We're going to party next week. For now, we're going to party and worship. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you were encouraged by the message and you feel closer to Christ than you ever have before. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit us in person, or help support our mission as we seek to love Jesus, serve others, and live unified, check us out online at trailside.church, or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again soon.